Welcome everybody to 20% Time, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of Titan, a web consultancy based out of Chicago, but entirely remote with employees all across North America. We specialize in Laravel, uh, which if you're listening to this, you probably know is a PHP framework, uh, but we're often pairing that with any number of JavaScript frameworks, libraries, and honestly, we're always doing development in all sorts of interesting areas. Uh, and that's those other sorts of interesting areas is I think what we're going to talk mostly about today. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Hicking, and this week I'm joined by Jose Soto, a lead programmer at Titan. Um, Jose, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, for people who don't know you, Jose, um, what do you do? Who are you? Where can they find you on the internet? <laughs> um, I mean, you you can always find me on on Twitter at Jose Can Help, and like that name says, it's just I like to be helpful. I like to be uh, helpful anywhere I can be on the internet, whether it's forums or Twitter or DMs. Um, I love people hitting me up with questions and, and able to answer them. Um, I have a lot of technical knowledge. I'm a lead developer, a lead programmer at uh, Titan. And uh, yeah, I mean, I write software for a living, but um, I love to be outdoors and uh, just be helpful wherever I can. Yeah, Jose Can Help is a really good name. Like, I'm glad you picked that because it really is true. Um, you do, uh, you do, even, I mean, obviously, like internally at Titan, you jump in and, and, and offer help with with all sorts of things. But I think that's kind of the spirit of what we're talking about today, because you have been an advocate internally at Titan and I know elsewhere as well for using Docker for local development. And that's what we want to talk about today. So mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you've at least heard of Docker, but maybe you haven't looked too deeply into it. So like from a 30,000 foot view, Jose, what is Docker and why should devs care about it? So Docker, Docker solves a, a really big problem for software developers. And I, I think you can simplify it in, in its simplest form. It, it solves the, the response of, well, it works on my machine. <laughs> as I, I can't even begin to tell you the number of times I, I've said that to either other devs or QA folks. And it, it's, it's just not fun to say. As it's just like, where is the disconnect between it working on my machine and it failing on yours? And so I, Docker, it, it's, a, it's a product that, that uses um, OS level virtualization and to help deliver software in packages called containers. You can think of it like you're including the operating system along with the software that you write for your website or application. So you can essentially solve that problem, solve that response of, well, it works on my machine because now your software is running on a machine that's exactly the same on your computer versus someone else's computer. So when you've used this, uh, whether it's at Titan or elsewhere, do you find that, um, uh, so especially I would say if you're collaborating with another developer, because that's something that we do often at Titan, do you find that mm -hmm. uh, you want to get that other dev also using uh, Docker just like you, or is that ever really a problem? So it, it's it's not, and and I don't try to to push it onto other developers either, <laughs> because just because of of the way I use it. Right? Okay. So, so there are um, there are a couple of different schools of thought when using Docker. One of them is kind of using Docker the way it's supposed to be used, right? Which is like encapsulating your application in in a full operating system so that it, it doesn't fail and actually deploying it onto a, a remote server somewhere else. Right. That That's like the way it's quote unquote supposed to be used. The way I like to use it is it's kind of like um, it's facilitating my local development environment. So it, it's kind of like I'm not going to force someone else to use the same IDE, the same text editor that I use. 
I just happen to use Docker for certain things like running my database management systems that another developer will just run locally. So they'll install you know, something like MySQL on their system directly. I'll just have it on a layer between my computer and, and Docker, essentially, uh, the Docker engine. So it, when it comes to local development environments and working with another developer, um, directly, like like how we do at Titan. Yeah, it, it's um, there's not a whole lot of um, there's not a, a whole lot of um, uh, benefit that you'd get uh, between using Docker uh, b- between me using Docker and, and them having to use Docker. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's not like it really matters, right? I mean, for so yeah. is it safe to say that for you, the point of Docker is so that you don't have to worry. Is there something wrong with my local environment? Um, yes, yes, and. I'm I'm sure other developers will will have hit the same issue at some point in their career, but their local MySQL just gets completely messed up, completely borked, and now like they they can't get any of their their applications that they're working on uh, on their computer to work because now they have to figure out well what did I do wrong? And I have to go in uninstall MySQL. Uh, trying to reinstall it gives you a bunch of errors like there's just something going on that's not the the system is not running right on your local machine and that that problem that i had hit a long time ago was solved by using docker because now uh that mysql instance running on my local machine is encapsulated and if something were to go wrong with it i can literally just delete it and pull down or create a new container and it's like as if it's a brand new machine. It doesn't mess any, up any of my local files. And there's no um, contamination between what that, that MySQL instance on the Docker is, is using and what my machine is using. So you sort of alluded to it a bit there, but was there some specific uh, like thing that happened on a project where just, you know, maybe this was you're like, okay, this is the last time I want to deal with this problem. I'm finally going to investigate Docker. Like, what sparked you to really start looking into this? So um, when I first got into it, so I, I have a background in, in systems administration. I, I've been working in Linux machines and uh, setting them up for web services and, and all that, that fun stuff um, very early on. And then I got into software development. So when, when I got into software development and we started to hit these issues of like, well, it works on my machine, I, I began to do research on the technologies that I had known and at the time it was um it was full machine virtualization things like VirtualBox, right vmware parallels stuff like that in the laravel community we use laravel homestead which kind of runs on top of that uh which is like it's a vagrant box yeah um so that that is what i knew and so that was what i was starting to use to solve the problem uh, and it they were great like that's it's a fantastic uh, virtual machine virtualization is, is fantastic. I love it. Um, especially coming from a sysadmin background that I knew what I was doing when I booted up a new machine, I could SSH into it and do whatever I needed to do to get everything set up. And it was good to go. The, um, the problem is that I, I hit an issue, uh, was sharing that, trying to share it with my, with other developers that I was working with was kind of difficult. Um, because these virtual machines are they're not small they take up 
gigabytes of data. Yeah. Just, just, you know, a, a vanilla virtual machine takes up a lot of space. And I think that's where like Vagrant comes in. Vagrant tries to do these like you know, Vagrant files that um, you can run commands against and it'll like boot up the machine for you. And so I started to do that. I started to get into, into writing Vagrant files. And then um, Docker started to become more and more popularized. And I was like, well, I wonder if Docker can do this better than Vagrant. And um, yeah, I just, I didn't know what enough about Docker or what the, what the um, architecture was behind Docker that was so different from using something like Vagrant. And uh, that was kind of a, a big hurdle for me um, to get over for a long time. And I feel like if maybe I didn't have that uh, sysadmin background or the experience using virtual machines that I may have been able to pick up on Docker a little bit quicker. Um, well, that's interesting. So you think that sort of your background in more traditional sysadmin stuff actually kind of was a, was a blocker towards you uh, sort of grokking yeah. Docker. Yeah. And it was because I was trying to fit, um, you know, the square peg in the round hole. Right, I was trying right, to right, figure right. out like, wait, how, like I do this in, in a virtual machine, how do I do that same thing in Docker? And because of, of the, the way the architecture is so different from these engines, it, that it proved to be really difficult because when I couldn't figure out how to do that exact same thing uh, using Docker, I just kept getting blocked. And I'd like, I would try for about two, two or three weeks just trying to push through making the application that I was writing work in Docker and not getting it to work and then just putting it away for a while and then trying again later on and doing the exact same thing. Um, it, 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 I felt like it, it uh, put a big blocker between me really just taking the time to understand what Docker was versus what um, Vagrant or virtual machines were. So you had talked a bit about, I think uh, this is fair to say, but stop me if I'm wrong. I think you had talked a bit about how you like to use Docker for data, like to manage your, to sort of contain your databases specifically. Mm -hmm. If you go and Google, you know, literally use Docker for local development, you see a lot of articles that talk about, you know, defining each piece of, like putting each piece of the stack in a separate Docker container and then using something like mm -hmm. Docker Compose, you know, defining them all in that YAML file. Is that how you go about doing it or how, like when... When you sit down to, to, if you're at a brand new machine for the first time, like how are you getting started? Yeah, I, um, so, so using like full on Docker files and, and like YAML files and whatnot to um, boot up an, an entire app, it's, you can do that locally um, and it works. It's great to like share between projects and whatnot, um, but that's not how I use it. I, I don't, uh, I don't get that far into that process. Okay. What what I what I want what I use it for on on my machine is it's just to containerize um, the daemons that would normally be running on, directly on my system. Um, so I, I definitely use it in a non traditional sense for local development environments. And to kind of get into a little bit more of the specifics, yeah, um, it's like uh, I will boot up a a MySQL container. And share it across multiple applications. Um, so what I do is I I have a, a MySQL container running on my system with a port open to it. Let's say port thirty three hundred six is the port for MySQL on a normal machine. Yep. So what I do is I boot it up and I open up that port thirty three hundred six 
and connect it to my local machine's port 3306. So now my machine, it, it's almost like uh, tricking my machine into thinking I have MySQL installed locally when I really don't. It's, it's actually installed in this container. So now I'm, when, when I go to my environment files on my, um, my projects, I just say, hey, connect to MySQL using local host and port 3306, right. just like I would normally do. And the application knows no difference between a, a, an instance of MySQL running locally on my machine versus it running on, uh, in a Docker container. So that's how I set my system up. And then for all of the applications that I'm using that require MySQL, I just tell it the same thing, use localhost port 3306. And they all kind of, they all share this, this instance of MySQL running on Docker on my machine. In, in a more traditional sense, each application, you would tell each application to boot up its own MySQL instance and connect to it right. directly. But for, for me, that's, that's just a lot of management. That's a lot of overhead that I don't really need. Like I, it's, I don't get into, um, I'm not going to be deploying a, a Docker image to production. We use things like Forge and stuff to deploy directly to our servers. So it's like it, it would, it would be, there would be no benefit to me um, completely Dockerizing every application, every, uh, every application that I'm working on locally. Um, I just want this thing. I just want Docker to facilitate my my database, and that's that's what I use it for. So you've talked about some of the benefits of using of using Docker for this. Uh, in your eyes, what are the drawbacks? Like, what are what are some reasons why maybe this isn't right for everybody? If there so, are, if there are any, I mean, you might say no. <laughs> actually, I mean, because like you know, it, you know, before you had sort of explained to me how this works on the you know. Over the past couple of minutes, I would have sort of got, come in here with, I would have sort of asked this question more like, well, you know, that seems pretty heavy, right? You're running a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of management, like aren't those drawbacks, but it seems like you have really tried to scope Docker to really solve a very specific problem. But even with that in mind, are there still drawbacks? Yes, uh, I think there, there are still drawbacks. And I mean, I think the, the biggest one is really you're running an extra service on your machine. Uh, you know, instead of instead of natively running MySQL on on your directly on whatever machine you're using, you you now have it running on top of an engine that's already running on your machine. So there is there is a bit more uh, it's a bit more resource intensive. Um, but in in my mind, the simplicity of just starting up a new container if I need it, taking them down if I need it. Um, completely stopping all Docker services if I need it. Um, having the, that knowledge and, and the uh, ability to control that, it's worth that drawback in my opinion. Yeah, I was I was going to ask as a follow up. So you know, you talked about resources, but you know, when are you finding that there are you know specific cases where okay, maybe it would be a little faster if you weren't using Docker. I'm thinking like you know when you're trying to run a you know a test suite or, or anything like that, mm -hmm. or is it not really that noticeable at the level you're using it? That it's it's not really that noticeable okay. at the level I'm using it. Okay. Um, I I I have never run benchmarks against it, but I would venture to say that running a local, if you're testing against a, a MySQL instance, then running it locally would probably be a little bit faster than running it sure. through through Docker. Um, but uh, yeah, I have I have not I have not come across uh, an an instance in in my experience that it was you know enough to venture or enough to cause me to just install something locally. 
Yeah, and we should clarify, it's not like you're running this on a uh, a brand new 2019 fully spec'd out Mac Pro or anything, right? You're just running right. this on a regular. You probably are you running like on, just on a recent MacBook Pro, like just MacBook Pro, yeah. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And and also uh, now that we're talking about resources, yeah. it is it, it's um there is a difference between running Docker on MacBooks or Macs in general versus running them directly on Linux. Because on Macs you actually have to run a virtual machine <laughs> that runs the Docker engine. So, uh, so it is a lot more resource intensive to run it on a Mac than if you're running it natively in Linux, you could just use the Docker engine because you're already running Linux, but running it on a Mac, you have to have a virtual machine that runs Linux that then has the Docker engine on top of it. So it it might be more useful or or faster, um, for someone running Linux, uh, as a, as their local development machine. And for for the uh, devs in the audience who are uh, currently working on Windows, I presume that they have options because I know you can use Docker on Windows. It's it's only on Mac, I believe. Okay. That uh, yeah, that that has that virtual machine requirement. Interesting. Um, so we primarily work on Laravel projects uh, here at here at Titan, but right now on the current client project that we're actually working on, you're using React Native to build a mobile app. So. Does any of that anything change when you're not? I mean, it sounds like it's not because you're still using a database. But th- is there anything that changes for your workflow uh, when you're not just building a what, what, what we consider sort of a standard Laravel JavaScript app? Is there any differences or drawbacks there? Um, no, there's not. Uh, so, so running a or developing a React native, you native app, um, you can't really you you can't really uh, Dockerize that. <laughs> Um, because what, what Docker does is it, it fakes a, an operating system, uh, like a, a server, Yeah. but what you need for, you know, a react native or, or view native app is like a fake, a, a simulator for a phone. Um, so there is no, um, there are no tools that are provided by Docker that would facilitate you containerizing a mobile application, but the the mobile application that we are developing right now does use a Postgres backend, and I am currently virtualizing Postgres via Docker, and there really is no difference between um, us using Postgres for a web application versus using Postgres for a, a mobile application, and so really the 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 flow the workflow is exactly the same. The only difference is that I'm running React Native versus running uh, like a, a Laravel PHP application. So in your opinion, what do you think is the hardest part about getting started with Docker? Or maybe to rephrase that, why aren't more people experimenting with this? There, There's no doubt um, Docker has a, um, a learning curve. Uh, you, you have to understand, first of all, the architecture. You have to understand um, the commands to, to manage it. And so it is a bit of overhead, and I don't think most developers have hit a um, a pain point big enough for them to be like, "Well, I need to, I need something else other than what I'm using right now." Um, for me, I I hit it, and I had the experience with um, enough DevOps to to kind of get into it. Uh, but uh, funny enough, like sharing it even internally at Titan has been kind of fun because a, a lot of other developers who have not hit that pain point yet see the the benefit to using docker and they're like oh hey that'd be 
really cool. I'd like to learn more about that. And so I have shared internally, you know, how, how I do it, how I use it and other people. Um, even like, like Sarah has, has come to me and said that she's, she's moved her workflow into containerizing her, her MySQL instance. And then um, even, and then sharing the, uh, the Laracast video. So I, I uh, Jeffrey Way shared uh, one of the videos that I created for, for him directly um, on how I use MySQL locally. And that got a lot of great feedback too, both on, on Twitter and in the, the forums, the, the Laracast forums directly. Um, and people were just like, well, I never took the time to, to learn Docker, but seeing how you use it, it's, it's really enlightening and I'd love to, to learn more. And so I, I do feel like there is a, a, enough of a learning curve to using Docker that more people don't take the time to, to learn it. Uh, but there is enough benefit in it for me, and I think for most other developers, that um, even understanding the basics of Docker would be really beneficial. So if, if somebody uh, who is on the Docker team happened to be listening to this and, and you could ask them to make one improvement that would make your, your workflow easier, maybe it's support on Mac and that would be different in some way or just something overall different about how Docker currently works, is there something that comes to mind? Uh, I think the, the thing I think about the most... Um, mentally when i'm using this flow is definitely the the virtual machine that that i need to to run on mac in order to to get this to work and it's it's caused me enough pause that i've been like contemplating using linux as a as a, a development environment um just because i i am a glutton for punishment and i love <laughs> devops and love you know love messing up machines um, I think Logan and I, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about using uh, Linux locally, Lo Logan being another developer at Titan. Um, he and he and I have, have shared our, our, um, our uh, love of using Linux for, for local development environments, but there's, there's just a lot that uh, causes us not to do that. But this using the, um, the virtual machine on Mac has definitely been one of those things where I like. I'd really like to not have to use this, and so I, I'm sure it's it's it, it might just be the Mac environment in general that doesn't allow the Docker team to do without it. Um, but that's definitely one of the things that that I would change um, from from my experience. Uh, so one thing I like to ask on this podcast is, uh, I, and I, I shamelessly stole this from another podcast, so this is not an original idea. <laughs> um, What's one thing about Docker that I sh that you think I should have asked you today, but I haven't yet? Maybe um, th that's. I'm glad you asked that because there. I think for a um, for someone as tech technically minded like myself, um, I, I have this thought process of like when I think of the differences between different platforms, I'd like to think I like to know the the nitty gritty. I like to to dig in and figure that it all out. And so you did ask me about like um, we we talked about virtual machines right. and VMware and stuff like that, and and then how how Docker differs from that. Um, but there is a a conversation within that that I think is really useful, and it's how the architecture differs between the two. And so, if I were to ask the question of myself, it'd be or yeah, what are the architecture architectural differences between something like a virtual machine and something like Docker? And I think answering that question will help those like myself back in the day when I had that experience of, of using VirtualBox and VMware and stuff. 
conceptualize how Docker actually works. And so my answer to that would be when we run an application, there are, there are layers, right? And it begins at the server level, the hardware, and that's the bare metal layer. And then on top of that, you run a, a kernel. So you either, it's a Linux kernel, a Mac kernel, Windows kernel. And then um, on top of that, on, on a normal basis, you would run your you know, operating system and then dependent uh, daemons and stuff on, on top of that. What the virtual machine does is it, there's this hypervisor layer between the, um, the kernel and your guest operating system. That layer uh, allows you to now you know, install multiple virtual machines on top of it, but it encapsulates the entire operating system as well. And that's what makes, that's what makes that um, encapsulation so big. The virtual machines are a lot bigger than what Docker does. Okay. The difference, the difference between that and Docker all lies in the operating system. So instead of having to copy over the operating system for every new virtual machine that you create, Docker shares that across its containers. So there's one Linux operating system that's running this Docker engine. And on top of that, you kind of encapsulate these little containers. So the, the little containers are so much quicker to boot up, destroy, delete, whatever you want to do with them. It's super fast. So like in, in the old way of doing things using something like Vagrant, um, let's say I, I booted up a machine and I want to delete it. So now you, you put gigabytes of data on your hard drive. You have to delete gigabytes of data off of it. Now you want to boot it back up again. You have to reinstall the entire thing. For Docker, if I want to do the exact same thing using, let's say, a MySQL server, it's, it's literally seconds between me deleting a container, booting up a new container, modifying it, whatever I want. It's, it's just seconds. And so there, therein is a huge difference when you're doing a lot of modifications to your local development environment. The difference is between what a virtual machine would have cost you in time and what Docker is going to cost you in time. And I know that was a, a little technical, but I think, I, th I think most developers will, or, or people who have used the virtual, virtual machines for their local development environments will understand that a little bit better. And there is um, some visualizations uh, that will help a lot that uh, we can share on wherever, wherever we share this, this podcast that I think would be really useful for someone to see. Yeah, as somebody who uh, has worked in IT before and who has dealt with virtualizing servers, uh, the I as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, right, I understand the appeal, right? Because why do I need, you know, 15 virtualized Linux servers to do various things? Like at, mm -hmm. at the core, it's the same OS, you know, like it's exactly. just more machines to update. It's more problems to take care of. Yeah, I immediately understood. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Uh, so here's my uh, one last question for you. Um, so you mentioned that you have the video up on Laracast. Uh, we can link that as well. If somebody has watched uh, that video and they wanted to learn more, uh, are there other really good resources or websites that uh, you can recommend for folks, e even if you don't have specific like page URLs in mind, just other great other good resources for people who want to know more about Docker? Absolutely. Um, the I remember one of the first videos I watched was on on YouTube. It was this uh, guy called Garth Schulte. He's from CBT Nuggets, 
And it was just the, it is this YouTube video and it was titled like, what is Docker and how does it work? And that really, that sparked a lot in, in my mind. It's like, oh, okay, now I kind of understand a little bit more. Um, so we can definitely share the link to that video. Uh, but there are two courses that I've gone through. Um, one of them is Brett Fisher. He's very, very popular in the, uh, the Docker community. He has this Udemy course called Docker Mastery. Uh, that goes incredibly in depth. I mean, it even goes into like Kubernetes and stuff. So that's like hardcore, like Docker, how it's supposed to be used type stuff. Um, but then uh, the last one, which is the one that I would recommend the most above all is uh, Chris Vidal's shippingdocker.com. Going through that course um, was super enlightening for me and uh, like just sent all the sparks in my head because it was... Uh, super concise, super clear, and then also related to Laravel, which I was so uh, comfortable with. And none of the other courses at the time that I had taken regarding Docker um, came back to like a PHP backend, which was, which was my, uh, my experience. And that really helped a lot. So uh, I think those three for sure are, uh, are resources that uh, people should, should absolutely check out. And yeah, I think that's it. Well, that's all I've got. Uh, those are all the questions I have. So Jose, thank you so much uh, for talking about Docker with us today. I really appreciate it. Um, as a reminder, you, uh, where can they find you on Twitter again? Jose can help. Jose can help. <laughs> and Jose can help is generally the username in a lot of places, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jose can help, josecanhelp.com. Like, you just find me, at, search Jose can help and you'll, you'll find me. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to 20% Time. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon.